with the best advice, guest interviews, and up-to-the-moment information to help you succeed. This is Anita Hales with Breaking the Income Fix. Hi, this is Anita Hales, and this morning I sat in a little coffee shop with Catherine Tatsuda, who is a fourth-generation entrepreneur and has taken the reins over on her family's business, which has suffered some pretty unusual things in order to survive, and they are celebrating their 99th year of business this year. Let's get down to brass tacks and let Catherine tell you the whole story. My family is uh, is Japanese. My great-grandfather came over from Japan in the very early 1900s. He came to Ketchikan to work in, uh, I believe he came to work in the canneries. Um, and I think it was only during the summer. He spent some time just only coming up during the summer, and then eventually he stayed. Um, A lot of people do that. Yeah, yeah. So very early 1900s, and he stayed and you know, probably worked in fishing and worked in the canneries and different things. Um, and then he decided that he, he wanted to settle down here, and so he uh, sent basically sent for a wife, I suppose. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, he got married to a woman in Japan who he'd never met before. Well, that was a, like a proxy wedding. Like, yeah, it was a proxy wedding. And so they didn't, they'd never met each other before. Um, and they had to get married before she could come to the United States because single Asian women weren't allowed um, to come into the United States. It was just that wasn't allowed. So they had to get married before she arrived. So they got married by proxy. And basically, she had a picture of him and he had a picture of her. And they met at the dock and, uh, and were married and uh, had never met each other before that moment. So um, apparently it was successful. Apparently, because <laughs> <laughs> um, they had uh, they had quite a few children. Um, I don't really know the exact amount. A couple of them passed away um, from illness, and then I think they maybe had six that survived. So including my grandfather. So. Anyways, somewhere around somewhere around 1916, my gram, my great grandmother, her name was Sen. Uh, she started selling milk and eggs, or buying extra milk and eggs from the grocer, which was quite a ways away because she had to walk down the street quite a ways. And so she would buy extra milk and eggs at this little tiny market, and she would sell them to her neighbors. And that was the start of. Um, our business today, which is you know our our supermarket that we have, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, so Tatsuda's IGA, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, we've you know we've moved from the little tiny <laughs> home front place. market, yeah, mm-hmm. to uh, you know to our our current facility. Yeah. So so during the they ran the market, and I think the market just just built and and uh, and continue to grow we actually don't have any photographs of our first store we have some photographs of the exterior of it but we don't know what it looked like on the inside um, and they were in that store um, for quite a long time up until uh, World War two right after uh, 
Pearl Harbor. And uh, because they were Japanese, uh, they were forced to, along with all the other Japanese families on the West Coast, they were taken from their homes and uh, forced to live in internment camps for several years. So, and where was that internment camp? The, um, the, the, most of the family was put in Idaho, Minidoka in Idaho. Um, I've, I've seen that place. Have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and then my great-grandfather, because he was the head of the household and he was considered a larger threat, was taken to a facility in New Mexico. So he was completely separated from the family and was taken with all of the other heads of households and put into this facility in New Crazy. Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And so how did your business survive during that time? Well, we just closed down. You know, luckily they owned, they, they owned their property. They owned the building that they lived in. Um, and there was someone, I think they rented out the, the portion or that their building to a caretaker. And, um, and there's rumor that, oh, excuse me, that people actually did sell some goods out of, the, out of that building while we were gone. Um, we, don't, we don't know that for sure. It's, you know, it's kind of a time period that never really got talked about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Understandably. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, but, so they owned their building, and uh, during the war, while they were in the internment camp, they were there for a couple of years, and then um, they were able to get leave the internment camps as long as they had a sponsor who could, would sponsor them, but they had to move to the, to the middle of the United States. They could not return to the coast. So they lived in the Chicago area for um, a year or two until they were finally able to return to Ketchikan. So I think they returned to Ketchikan in 1947 and reopened the, reopened the grocery store. And then in late 1947 or 1948, there was a fire. And uh, we, and it totally, you know, it didn't burn the entire building down, but it forced us to, just, to move. Just get started. Yeah, just come back, just get started, just get settled again, and then there's a fire. And so um, so we moved right down the street. There's a building that was just, you know, literally less than a block, half a block or something down the street that they moved into. And um, it had, you know, the store on the bottom and uh, living quarters up above. And they reopened that store. And that was maybe a 1,000 square feet size store. And they operated there from uh, 1948 up until 1972, I believe. And um, it was run by my great-grandfather and my grandpa and my great-uncle. Um, they were all in business together. And then my great-grandfather passed away in the early, uh, late 60s, and uh, and my, so my grandpa and his I, I brother, yeah, yeah, and uh, ran it together. Um, and then at some point in time, my grandpa bought my uncle's shares out, and uh, and then um, they, they operated it together. And then in 1972, there was another fire, and uh, which then again, you know, tremendous smoke damage, and uh, we're not able to use that space again. But, so what my dad tells me, because he, I think he was away at college during this time, or was had come back around that time, was that my grandpa had been actually already purchased part of the lot that we're on right now. So he had plans to expand the store. Um, so he had already purchased that, so that was kind of already in the works, which you know, which is good. So, so, so which which was fortunate, yeah. So, um, so the store we we it took about a year to build the new store, 
and uh, so we moved locations and we went from a thousand square foot store to a ten thousand square foot store with a large parking lot um, and we reopened in April of 1974 in the location that we're in right now. And when so, did you become affiliated with IGA? In 1995. And uh, the reason my dad chose to become affiliated with with IGA because of the opportunity that it gave him and the education and the assistance that it gave him. Um, running a supermarket is not easy. And um, trying to build your own promotions and do your own advertising and create your own brand and understanding how to train your employees and how to have good customer service and all the things that, that you need. And if you're an independent, you can really struggle to get those things. And so he decided to to become a part of IGA because they could offer him so much of these things. Um, and uh, and it's you know an IGA it's it's Independent Grocers Alliance is what it is. So it's made up of you know it's just independent grocers who all come together and and form IGA, which is what it was, which is what it is. So, so it suited your. Purposes. So it suited, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It suited uh, it suited us very well. And I was actually reading an article. Um, uh, in uh, the I think it was IGA. Uh, news magazine that they put out uh, because in 1995 so oh, so we joined in 93 so we became IGA in 1993 and then in 1995 he won the IGA my dad won the IGA International Retailer of the Year award um, which was pretty exciting yeah very exciting and so they ran a big spread on him in their in their IGA magazine and I was reading that a couple of years ago and, it, and he talked about the struggles that he had prior to joining IGA which was um, especially with advertising and he said what he said was all he could afford to do was put like you know half a page ad a week in the newspaper that wasn't in color that wasn't you know and just by joining IGA he was able to get this six page full color advertise you know ad that um, because he was part of this larger group and like all of a sudden stores. yeah and then he had you know he was able to had this buying power all of a sudden so as well as the training he's like you know there were people who came in and really worked with his employees on good customer service and on, on how to do do the things that you need to do in grocery to be successful so, so they kind of mentored him yeah 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 so so that was good and he's you know and he's we're proud to be a part of IGA and now now you're 99 years now we're 99 year, years for your store I mean, that's, yeah that's incredible it's incredible and yeah now you're just doing a new addition or we are remodeling? I'm calling it a transformation oh. <laughs> <laughs> because you know that the store we built the store in 1974 that's when we opened and a lot of our refrigerated cases are the same ones that we opened the store with 41 years ago. Oh. Which is, I mean, which is amazing. They last that long, but, you know, they're not the most efficient. They're not the prettiest. And uh, so we're doing, I mean, just top to bottom, inside and out, everything is going to be new when we're done. So refrigerated cases, new flooring, new lighting, new ceiling, new check stands. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be great. Updated storage and things like that. And yeah, it's fantastic. So. And, of course, you, your business got a had a kind of a viral thing a few years ago when you had a bear. We did. Yes, we experienced your, uh, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, that we had a little bear cub just walk through the front doors and, and run over to our produce department and climb up on that produce department rack and, and have a go at it. <laughs> and and I, my butcher caught it on camera and posted it on YouTube and uh, and we put it on Facebook and then our the, our local um, public radio station heard about the story or saw the video and uh, she asked me to do an interview and said will you come and do an interview and so I went and I did an interview and, and she's just like "Have has any major news outlets hit you up about this yet I was like no why would they she's like oh once it hits NPR it's gonna go crazy and that's exactly what it did as soon as it hit NPR it went crazy we probably had a million hits because uh, we put the video up twice on two different places and so between the two of them we've had over a million views on it and then we had it was on every major news network on television on the internet <laughs> internationally yeah it's not on Fox yeah Fox yeah. News um, you know Brian Williams talked about us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> CNN you know yeah I was getting messages like crazy and then Joe because Joe's the one who took the video our butcher you know he was the one just handling all the calls and for two weeks straight it was just you know media outlets after media outlets because a little bear wanted some veggies a little bear wanted some veggies yeah Yeah, I say it must have been a slow news day is what I say (laughs) well it was very cute it was very cute yeah so the people still see it I still get comments on uh, on our video on YouTube yeah you know so yeah so that was a fun that was a fun thing to have happen so when do you plan to open your new uh Remodel. The new remodel. We're going to open, um, hopefully it will be totally done by the end of the year. Um, as with, apparently, construction projects don't go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we were supposed to be done next month, but we are still at the very, we're still, you know, at the beginning stages of everything. So um, we're going to plow forward and get as much done as we can in the next, you know, month and a half before summer gets too crazy and uh, hopefully we'll have all the new cases in and the new floor down and the new ceiling and lighting and things like that and have the check stand. So that's the goal is to have that stuff taken care of. And then um, at the in fall, we'll do a total reset of the grocery, the middle center store, and, uh, and finish things up. So, yeah. Well, how does it feel to be in, I mean, you're basically in charge now? I am in charge. Yeah, I make all the decisions. I've been, um, this is my fourth year kind of being the person to go to. And uh, it definitely has its ups and downs. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it goes, some, some t- so we'll have periods where everything's great, great, great. And then we'll have periods where things are just horrible. And, uh, um, but you just keep showing up and you keep trying just keep going you just keep going yeah yeah because if you quit then yeah it falls apart yeah exactly so and you know and I guess that's that's what I learned is like a lot of success happens just by showing up <laughs> yeah so that's true. yeah showing up and and just trying yeah, yeah and taking it on as they come well, I know so. we like some of the little changes you've made in the store so far. Oh, thank you. I mean, you know, there's there's some subtle things between you and the way your dad did it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's also some not-so-subtle things. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're very different, but, uh, 
Um, he was very successful, you know, he's, he's been able to do it. And he managed the store when Walmart came into town in, you know, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. um, he, our sales dropped by 30 to 40% when Walmart came. And uh, he had huge loans that he had to pay and he had to, you know, he had to tighten up. And so he, he was the store manager and the administrator um, for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. the only one he was down there stocking shelves and doing all the ordering plus doing all the other stuff and yeah. you know because see, by golly it had to, he had to succeed we, the store couldn't close right you know well I know a lot of businesses here when Walmart came they just yeah folded up mm -hmm. they, they didn't even try to compete absolutely and they could have if they had tried they could have yeah, there's a few that did. There's a few that did, and and you have to change how you do business. You have to be, you have to you have to be willing to be flexible, and to as things time passes, everything changes, and you have to change too. Yeah, you know. What, what do you think was the one thing that that helped succeed? You know, when other businesses fail. I mean, well, did, did, did you, like, you know, change the, the niche or... Well, I think it was he, a lot of it was, you know, getting a handle on your expenses. That's so that you can pay your bills. Um, that's, that was, that was the big thing, that really big thing that he did. And then he really tried to be competitive with Walmart. Um, he, he went to a, a, some sort of convention, probably an IGA rally or something, and there was a workshop on how to get a low price image. And so, and what they said was buy in bulk and make big stacks of things and put it where people will see it and buy it. And so that's what he did. And, um, and it, and it worked, you know, he became, was able to, to be competitive with with Walmart, he was, you know, and then with Safeway also, because we're a little tiny store, you know, mm -hmm. we're 10,000 square feet versus these 50,000 square feet stores. And for us, and we're a single store, one single store. Yeah. And for us to be able to compete with these big giant stores, these big giant chains, you know, it takes a lot of effort. And a lot of smarts. <laughs> but you're still there. But we're still here. Yeah. So, and then it's on now. It's and now for me, it's it's not so much price is important, but you know he had the store so full of stuff that you couldn't shop comfortably. It was not. A, it wasn't a. It wasn't the most positive shopping experience. You know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was. So when, when I came in, and he was doing it all himself. And uh, so when I came in and I said, I was like, Dad, you know, we need to make it shopper friendly. We need it to be a comfortable experience for people so they can reach things. They're not stumbling over stuff. They're not bumping into each other in the aisles. And, you know, and then, and then we need to have a grocery manager, somebody who can take care of this. And, you know, so that's not all on your shoulders. And, uh, and it took him a while. And he finally conceded, and um, and then we found you know, and it took um, uh, we we had one grocery manager, and he did it. It was it was a great start, and then he moved out of town, and then we we have another one, and he's doing a really fantastic job, you know. So, but that's the other thing is you know we wouldn't be here for ninety nine years if we didn't have amazing people who work for us. Yeah, finding the right people. Finding the right people and uh, and treating them well and fairly and giving them the opportunity to uh, 
to have their own thoughts and opinions and to try things and you know yeah so, so it's been good it's been good and and we have right now I you know I have an amazing group of people who work for me you do I do mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I'm very proud of all of them and thankful for all of them yeah I noticed so. that, that you keep your employees too you, know? mm-hmm. you, you don't have a big turnover like Mm-mm. like some other stores like some other stores <laughs> <laughs> well and that's you know it's nice that we are small we run on a really tight crew people um almost everybody kind of multitasks in one way or another um and and we pay people fairly and we care you know it's the 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 focus is on the people it's not on the business if our people are successful our business is going to be successful how did you fare through the the uh, recession we were we took a big hit. Our biggest hit was um, we have a we have a shipping department that does a tremendous amount of wholesale business to restaurants and lodges and uh, and things like that. And we felt that in 2010 2011 is when it finally really hit Ketchikan. Mm-hmm. And we it felt it. It took a while. It took a couple of years because everyone already had their stuff booked. Everyone you know no one had really felt it quite yet. So it took us a couple of years to feel it and. Um, and we felt that our sales were down pretty significantly. I think we had a loss in that loss for that year, and um, on top of other, yeah, on top of other things too. Um, but and we haven't like our shipping department hasn't fully recovered from that. But so we're trying to find new ways for our shipping department to be successful. So if we're not supplying the restaurants, we're not supplying, we don't have our, we used to service Waterfall Resort, which was a huge account, our biggest account. You know, in five months, they would do a ridiculous amount of, of business with us. And then they just stopped, just stopped. And how do you recover from that? What do you do? Well, you just keep fighting the fight. Yeah. <laughs> Try to find another yeah, <laughs> and or and and find other ways to to be this to 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 do business. But we made up that loss because of the changes that we made on the sales floor by making it a more shopper friendly experience by um, having a different variety of things and 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 we actually made up that loss of sales from that one customer through from the back door. We made up those sales through the front door. So just our everyday customers who come in, we were able to build. The business up um, out the front door, so so we made those up, which so was amazing. You got to be flexible. Yeah, you got to. So, what, what what would be your main message to someone who's trying to start a business? Make sure you like what you do. That's the biggest one. <laughs> and keep trying. And if something doesn't work, try something else. You know, or just tweak it a little bit. And find, and for me, and this is just me, find good people that you can talk to about it and that you, that you respect what they say. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, don't be afraid to fail, I guess. <laughs> well, that's a big one. Yeah, and if you do, just pick yourself back up off the floor and go at it again. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just keep showing up. Yeah, I remember there's, there's an old movie with... Um, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire, you know, mm-hmm. and, they, and they're doing this dance routine. And yeah, they're, they're dancing to "Get Yourself Up," pick, you know, dust, pick yourself up, dust yourself right. off, and start all over again. Right. And yeah, and that's what you know. That's what from uh, internment camps to two fires 
to, you know, the economy, going, the up economy going up and down. Oh, yeah, because that's ex- we've experienced that at least twice in Ketchikan because in 97, the pulp mill closed. Right. You know. And that was big. That thing. was huge. That was 3,000 people or something that moved out of Ketchikan. Yeah, mass exodus. Mass exodus. Yes. Yeah. And, and then Walmart come, come in. Yeah, businesses just talk yeah. like dominoes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember growing up in Ketchikan, and I remember all the little stores, all the little retail shops, the brick-and-mortar shops, and now you can find a handful of them here. Yeah. Yeah. Just a few stayed. Absolutely. So, yeah. And keep learning. I, you know, that's huge, too, is, is constantly be learning and bettering yourself and learning about your business and finding your niche. Yeah. And accepting your niche, because that's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you, you kind of have a niche in your story. You know, you, you've got the specialty foods mm-hmm. that, that nobody else carries. Right. And, um, and bears in your... <laughs> and bears, and the, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, we, um, we have the specialty food items. We have... We have a really fantastic meat department with a really strong following for a meat department. Um, and, and then a couple other items that are unique that you can only get at Tatsuda's, mm-hmm. you know. Plus, some of the friendliest cashiers you'll ever run into. <laughs> it's you know. true. They yeah. Are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And we know who we are. We're not trying to be Safeway. We're not trying to be Walmart. We recognize that. Where everyone's secondary store, you don't, you know, most people don't come to Tatsuda's and buy all of their weekly groceries from us, you know, but they come in and we're convenient, they can come in and grab what they're looking for for dinner quickly or this and that, and mm-hmm. so when I say accepting your niche, I say, that's, that's what we are. Yeah. And it's a tough one to swallow for me, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, hopefully your, your new uh, remodel will, yeah. will help. I hope so. I think it will. I hope so, yeah. yeah. If nothing else, you know, people come in to say, oh, we've got to go see what Tatsuda's did. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what a story. Yeah. It's an incredible story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty proud to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, not, not everybody has to deal with things like internment. Oh, God, no. I mean, uh-huh. that's, that was so wrong. <laughs> Absolutely wrong. And or just the, the families they're up. splitting the families up, and then just the racism that you experience, oh, yeah. you know, and just the fact we didn't even talk about the fact that well, there was a lot that of they had to do business on this side of the creek because you were Japanese. Because they were Japanese. Mm-hmm. I remember that. You know, yeah. we had to do business on this side of the creek. Yeah, you and the, the natives and mm-hmm. the Orientals all yeah. on this side. Of yeah. The, and yeah. The, and the whorehouses. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I think, you know, the, this country has made great strides. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is Anita Hales. Be sure to check out my other great podcasts on my blog at anita-hales.com. <laughs>